welcome to In Bed With The Films We Love, a podcast talking about our favourite films and while we're talking about them, trying to work out why they're our favourite films as well. I'm Talia Ripley. And I'm Ethan Crane. And today we're going to be talking about Peter Weir's 1989 film, Dead Poets Society, which is Ethan's film. It is, yes. So, tell me first of all about you in this film. When did you first watch it? So I saw this film in the cinema when it first came out and in, uh, it was actually in the year after I finished school and I was doing a temp job and not really knowing what I was doing. It was in a year before going to university and I was working with these um, sort of slightly old people in their early 20s when I was just 18. Really old uh, people. Really old people. Well, they seem really old at the time. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And one of them, one of the women, uh, Louise, there, I've gotten really well with, and uh, we both sort of had our eye on seeing this film. And she said, "Oh, you know, I'll, um, I'll go with you. I'll drive, drive you there, kind of thing." And we went to see it. An older lady. An older lady. She must mm. have been older twenty five mm. at the time. Yeah. Wow. But it absolutely right. blew me away. This film. It was. I would say. More than any other films on this list, if um, this is a list of influential and favourite films, this film li- did literally change my life because I um, so I saw it once then, and I went home and um, my dad mentioned it as well, and I went to see it again with my dad about three days later because I was so. And I remember coming; I can still remember driving home in the car with my dad from the cinema, and I could really couldn't particularly speak. I didn't want to talk about it. I just wanted to sort of like wallow in it and. I said, oh, no, no, I really enjoyed it again. And he knew I'd seen it before. But, yeah, it has such a really, such a profound effect on me kind of thing. And I think because, I mean, I went to a private boys' school. It wasn't anything like as posh as the one it depicted mm. here. But all the same, I'd been part of some kind of, like, establishment education. Um, and suddenly there was being revealed to me or this thing about poetry and about teaching in a way that I'd never been taught at school, you know, that I mean, is, mm. is uh, you know, um, the character of Mr. Keating is the kind of teacher which very few people ever encounter kind of thing. But you thought, oh, that, that's what, that's what literature and teaching is all about sort of thing. But anyway, but the, the people I was working with, Louise and this other guy, Alan, I remember, but were both very into travelling. Um, you know, they'd been done a lot of travelling around the world kind of thing and they would have talked about going to India or whatever. And I literally, a week after seeing this film, I went and bought a ticket to India on my own kind of thing. And I would never have done that if I hadn't seen this film. It would definitely made me go and do that. It was kind of like carpe diem, you know, it was kind of like, right, I'm going to seize the day, I'm right. going to go and buy a ticket. And I just and I did, I went and bought a ticket and two months later I was in India kind of thing. And it did literally, and that, and you know, that trip to India, I went there for three months, mostly on my own. And that did literally change my life. I came back a really quite different person. Yeah. Okay. I remember seeing it on video a few years <laughs> later and thought it was quite good. <laughs> well, I mean, it's on my list. It's not on your list, yeah. isn't it? That's, that's there for a reason, yeah. isn't it? So yeah. it really did. It picks, it hits a kind of sweet, you were in a sweet spot to watch it. Definitely in a sweet spot. I mean, I was the same age as the characters in the film. I don't think, what I think is interesting about this film is I've talked to other people about it who had a similar effect on, and I think the fact it's set in a, really posh private school is kind of not so important in some ways it's about it's more about seeking out a way of life on your own as much as anything we could apply to you if you went to any kind of school really couldn't it or, yeah. you always have to think if you're in the in group and you're saying i think though this applies to everything yeah you're not necessarily in the best uh situation to to say that that's, but that's true as a yeah 
girl yeah. who yeah. didn't go to a posh school. Yeah. Not really. Um, no, I, I mean, I, I find it, you know, it's still very charming. It didn't hit me. I don't think it hit me in the same way or anything. It didn't right. make me, I don't know. Actually, watching it just the other night, I think some of the, um, well, we'll get into more of the bits about the film, but like the carpe diem thing, I yeah. mean, that's still pretty profound and it's like a kind of stoic concept as well that, yeah. you know, getting into like everybody else on YouTube. Um, and then, yeah, I don't know, it's, it's still quite striking. It's still a very meaningful message, isn't it? Yeah, no, absolutely. That you're going to yeah. die one day, so make the best of it. Yes, yeah. It does, I can imagine that some people wouldn't respond to it if, you know, if they come from a very different life as well. Because you think, oh, for fuck's sakes, you're sorted anyway. Why are you? That's true. Although I I think it does apply to other situations. I mean, I, I kind of reflected on it as much as I reflected on it being about, you know, all the things I hated about the school I went to. It was also a reflection on like suburbia and things as well, like about yeah, like, yeah. you know, the yeah. conformity. It's about conformity, isn't it? Conformity can take loads of different forms, can't it really? Yeah. This happened to be about the conformity of a private school, but it could also be um, um, the conformity of suburbia or the conformity of doing a particular job for a corporation or something like that. I mean, it just it just hit me on many yeah. different levels, I guess. Okay. I guess at the time, at the time it was about the school, but on repeated viewings, um, it's just hit me about lots of other things as well, really. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, I think it's fair enough. So we're getting into the second part, really. What, you know, why does this film really get you? What is it that... Is I mean I think you're, you're starting there anyway, but flesh it out. I think. I think the the direction of it, Peter Weir has a lot lot to do with it. I mean, if you think about this in relation to lots of his other films, his films are very poetic films in general, aren't they? Like, mm. and and this one is particularly about poetry. Obviously, they talk about poetry a lot in this, but there's lots of shots of landscapes and giving you and the mood of what's going on and and i, I mean there's a, there's a way in which some people might have the film could have been quite annoying couldn't it like you say it's, it's about sort of like very privileged boys at a posh school and you think well what do we why do we care about their lives mm. kind of thing but he directs this film in such a way that just gives you enormous empathy for them really doesn't it i mean and i i, I think a lot of what I like about the film is that it's focused on the awkwardness and the embarrassment of the boys a lot of the time. It's often, mm. often like close-up shots of their faces or close-up shots of a group of them and how they're reacting to it. And mm. you, you can almost imagine how the actors were were dealing with the... You know, they're all young actors and were dealing with the yeah. experience of acting in those roles as well. And you just, it just it reminded you of teenage anxieties and all this, especially particularly for the Hawks character kind of thing. Yeah. He, I think his performance is amazing in this. Like yeah. one of his very early performances, he must've been what, 18 or something when he, he filmed it, wasn't he? I think. Yeah, because it yeah. was 89 it came out and he yeah. was born in 1970. Okay, so, so 19. But yeah. yeah, but maybe yeah. 18 when it was shot. Yeah. But they gave him a... He looks so young. He looks, he looks so young, young doesn't he? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, because I mean, some of the other films in our list here, including Ethan Hawke, is one of the different yeah, ages of his life. Yeah, there's a big lot of thread Hawk. of Ethan Hawke. Not quite sure why. Maybe we'll no, talk about I that later. No, I haven't quite got <laughs> yeah. to it. But anyway, yeah. um, that I what I'd heard in my vague research was that the way they, I think they filmed it sequentially. Yeah. So that they, you know, that you got a building of their relationship, 
and I think they, I don't know, something else about how, how Peter Weir got them all bonded together. I think he made them all share. bunk together, he said, right. to start with. Okay. Like, they all lived in a dormitory together before you, filming, I think. You yeah. could see, and obviously a bunch of young men, and, and it would yeah. get matey with each other. But you can you can see, I mean, one of the things I really liked about it was that it didn't go for cliches. It didn't go for kind of, um, you know, the school is harsh, uh, but it doesn't have the really stern incredibly scary i'm going to you know beat the hell out of you headmaster straight away kind of thing no you the new boy um ethan hawke's character isn't you know you can see he's isolated and shy and it's really difficult for him but he's not everybody's quite nice to him not yeah. completely you know that but nice enough yeah he's yeah. a little bit on the edge in those initial scenes when they get to know each other yeah um but you know they they're just decent and reasonable which because often you watch a film and they just go for some cliches yeah. of poignancy which is a bit shit anyway but i thought that was brilliant yeah very realistic it felt yeah yeah, and the, it, yeah. so the, just going back to what you were saying about the filming sequentially thing mm. another thing i read about it was that so obviously when um Neil's character dies mm. um, he wouldn't allow the actor back on set again afterwards because he mm. wanted the other actors to feel the loss of the, them as, yeah. a, as a friend as well so, a, yeah. yeah a good move really yeah. sad yeah quite cruel <laughs> yeah yeah not as bad as I don't know there's always that famous story about Ken Loach and the Kestrel oh and Kez well, yeah telling him they had actually really killed the Kestrel yeah. Ken Loach as well <laughs> shit yeah um, yeah the other thing was that the the, the boys and their reactions in class, I thought, was really genuine. When they have that, they look to each other a lot, and you see, you do get a lot of shots of them checking each other out. And yeah. that's, although it's set in what late fifties, fifty nine, I think it's supposed to be. So um, it, it does feel they're awfully nice as a class. They're a lot better behaved than you'd think in a secondary school these days. But they do the same thing of like kind of mocking, laughing, checking each other out. Are we yeah. going to, as they're slowly building respect for Keating? Yeah. Um, I love the way they're all sort of like wanting to see who is, is somebody else approving of this. Is this funny? Is this, are we going to like just mock this man or, or are we going to go along with it? And yeah. And then that was obviously something about the relationship that built up between the actors to build that kind of trust. And, yeah. And, uh, very skillful direction as well, isn't it? I mean, how do you actually direct something like that? It's very hard to bring off. You must have to give quite vague, vague instructions, mustn't you? And then let them go with it a little, to a certain extent. Yeah. yeah. I, do, I don't know how you set up your cameras to pick up those kind of reaction no. shots. Yeah. Or do you build those reaction shots in to say, I want you to check out? But I didn't feel like that. It felt No, like it felt really organic, didn't it? Well. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't. Know. And Robin Williams is often thought of as a very uh, free-flowing kind of anarchic character. It's reined in just enough in this, isn't it? I think. Like, it's, yeah, it's yeah. really quite reined in. Yeah. Um, but he's he's so good in this, isn't he? He's so sympathetic, and mm. and I don't think at the time he we didn't really know he could do that, did we? He wasn't. Yeah, really, yeah. yeah it's the first that's, thing he did. Yeah. That's what brought me. It was like Robin Williams. He's really funny in. Um, Good Morning Vietnam or something like that, which I'm sure was before this. A couple of years before this, yeah. Yeah, and then it's like, oh, he's not doing funny, okay. Yeah. Let's watch this. Um, yeah. And it's like, yeah, it's quite good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> going going back to the moments of this that really get me, I mean, the, I think the moment that always brings me to tears pretty much is uh, Todd Anderson, the Ethan Hawke character, being forced to recite poetry in mm. class kind of thing. It's just amazing. Like... 
and and feels very spontaneous him doing it. Well, obviously it must have been scripted, but the mm. talking about the sweaty tooth madman and like and the camera circling around him as he does it, and yeah. Robin Williams covering up his eyes and then crouching down to watch him, yeah, watch him do it, and he's just spouting stuff out, and it, and you felt like Ethan Hawke was almost doing it. I mean, maybe he was. I don't know how that was how that was filmed, but he kind of, that that moment sort of is a reminder of everything that's amazing about sort of creating art really isn't it like the creating art spontaneously in the moment is is what he was doing there and that's sort of like reminds you of the feeling that everyone gets if you manage to do that yourself I think it's, okay it's, yeah. I, I viewed that very much as just thinking about it from the teacherly point of view because I think one of the things I do although I've been a bit dismissive of my relationship with this film but I did have I had the odd teacher who was a very um, I think one teacher I had at primary school who's very good at sort of bringing me out. So I was quite a shy uh, kid at school and he just, you know, he, he wasn't as amazing as Mr Keating. But one thing he did do is sometimes he'd say to the class, right, let's all go outside. Right. And that was a wonderful and yeah, yeah. thing as a kid to be like, what on the field in class time? What? You know, that was that was great. And he... He was really good and we had a lot of respect for him. But also the other thing he did is he made, he, he, he sort of pointed on some of the shyer kids and made them go forward. And so he made me sort of do stand up in assembly and do things. So you, you watching that scene reminded you of, you were watching it from Mr Keating's point of view kind of thing. Right? I was, no, I was, so, yeah, I was, well, I was feeling like Todd and feeling like right. that nerves and then that sort of satisfaction. Right. About, you know, doing something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh right. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's kind of what I was thinking. Well, I was but but in Todd's very much yeah. not from a, I'm creating art or anything, just like I am standing up and people are listening to me and I'm commanding a room or something like that. Right. Okay. Yeah, no, that is slightly different, isn't it? I mean, coincidentally, I think that is, it's still like understanding most people's ability to create something out of nothing in a way. Like Todd didn't know he could do that beforehand. And like yeah. and Mr. Keating brought that out of him. And he were, and, and, the, and the line at the end where he says, don't yeah. you forget this. It's kind yeah. of, oh, it's so lovely. And he won't, and he wouldn't have forgotten that his entire life, would you? That would have been one of the stories that he would have told people. He said, I had this teacher at school. He made me do this and I have never forgotten it. Yes. Been, yeah. Yeah, I'm welling up now just thinking about it. I'm not. Yeah. It's difficult to understand why why that's so emotive in some ways. What why does that so? Why does that grab you so much? You well, think? I think a. I think personally, as we are doing this a few weeks into lockdown, I'm quite emotional about practically anything. <laughs> so there's that. Well, that's not going to go that for me. That. I always feel emotional about thinking about this scene. As, I yeah. yeah, I think. I think it's that one. I I think for me, it's that empathy with. The child and yeah. just thinking how lovely that is to have um you know something really important thing like that it's it makes a big difference to a person yeah and i guess a lot of people talk about their this teacher had a big influence on them don't they and it's a really important moment to them isn't it it's this adult adult who really influenced them as a child and they can still remember their name often can't they mm. it's, and it's, you don't it's, have any then i had a couple of teachers who were they had sort of sides of them that were quite inspiring. But I had one teacher that actually, you know, the bit right at the beginning where uh, I think it's the very first lesson that Mr. Keating teaches them and he comes in the door at the back and he walks right through the classroom and goes yeah. to the other doors to go out and there all the kids are going, well, what's going on? What's, yeah, what's going? Yeah, yeah. I had one teacher a bit like that who would, the very first time you had him, would do very eccentric things and 
to sort of like weird you out a little bit. And he explained why he did it later. And he said it was like, and that was completely still wasn't wasn't Mr Keating. And I had another maths teacher who was a very good maths teacher. But, Come on, but Mr not, Keating's pretty much up yeah, there as an idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think many uh, no. people like that. So it said that Robin Williams said from reading the script, the reason why he took the role in the first place because, was because he read the character Mr Keating and read him as the teacher he never had but always wanted mm. kind of thing. Which I think, I guess that's what... So is yeah. this something that's a kind of universal thing? You might Either you might be reminded of a teacher that you had or you really hanker. We all yeah. want that character. Imagine if all teachers were like Mr Keating. So How is that incredible more... it would be. Yeah. We don't often have figures. Like, you know when you get, like, perfect parents? So I'm just thinking back of watching um, Little Women which yeah. I thought was a good film. Yeah. But one thing I didn't really like about it was the mommy, the mum character. Yeah, Laura Dern's character. Laura Dern. Not, no, no objection to Laura Dern. I think she's great and all that. But I think, as well, I haven't read the book, but somebody said that's just the character. And, you know, yeah. she's this perfect mum character. And therefore unbelievable in many yeah. ways. Yeah. But he's. I mean, Mr Keating's fucking perfect as well, but he's not unbelievable. Well, he is a bit unbelievable, but we don't have a problem with it. We're just idolising him as heroically. Perfect in, in what, what sense? Uh-huh. Heroic? Well, sorry. I mean, he's not perfect. He's not perfect as far as the school goes. Is he perfect as far as the children go? Uh, yeah, and a kind of ideal of what you would want it. You know, you said Robin teacher. Williams. This yeah. is the teacher I wanted to have. Yeah. But anyway, I don't know. I do, actually. I would say he's not completely perfect. He does sometimes. He's a bit mean. He does pick on people. He does use yes. sarcasm in a nasty way sometimes. I think he's quite mean to Pitt, isn't he? He's, yes. he's kind of like he sort of takes piss out of the names a little bit. Yeah, but I guess I think. But probably back you... then that was nothing. That was yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, even in our time in the eighties or something, that was pretty much you know yeah down for course. But I don't know if teachers would be quite like that now. Also, he's extremely tactile and hands-on at times. Are you thinking about the kind of? The, the, his physical handling of Ethan Hawke. And oh, well, the hand like over the face when he's doing yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fifty nine, yeah. that was fine. Definitely, yeah, that's, yeah, that's great. Yeah, that's not too bad. Hands anywhere apart from down his trousers is absolutely fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, anything else? Anything else that really? So, did you? How did you find the structure of the film? Because it's quite, um, you know, the actual storyline, sometimes because it's quite an ensemble piece amongst the boys. I mean, sometimes your attention is a little bit all over the place. Well, I, I mean, I'll come to this one, one bit in particular to talk about later. In the, we have a, our even better if sections in there. Mm-hmm. We'll talk, I might talk about that a bit later, about why some bits I don't think quite worked. But, I mean, as a, as a whole, I think it's a very solid film. Where it's, got, it's got some very good little plot points. I, I love the... I love the and I think I only noticed it this time of watching, actually. I think I've been slightly confused about the storyline before, but so you have Neil getting the main part in the play. Uh, it's the night before the night before he's meant to be doing the, the main performance. His father comes and tells him he can't be in it. And then he goes and talks to Mr. Keating and Mr. Keating says, you've got to talk to your father and mm. tell him how you tell him how you feel in the way you're telling me how you feel. Mm-hmm. Uh and then Neil tells Mr. Keating that he has done so. Yeah. I think I thought before that he had he had actually done that, but obviously he hasn't done it. Because he thought his father was out of town, didn't he? And then 
Then, so he yeah. thought he could get away with like being in the play and his father never finding out. Okay, yeah. yeah. I found that scene, I thought it was like over ridiculously obvious that he was lying, but not. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, so I, I, I noticed more this time how obviously there's none of them. Are to, I mean, certainly Mr. Keating's not to blame at all in this situation, is he? He was just, he was telling Neil to go and talk to his father and tell him exactly how he felt. In no way, he thought that Neil had got permission, didn't he? He didn't know that he hadn't got permission. So, yeah. No way was it his fault at all, but yeah. No, but I, I, so I do sort of find that the sort of whole plot, which so at the end, the school kind of singles out Keating as this somebody who caused this young man to be so mentally unbalanced. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't have a, I, I, I could believe that. People, that the school would do that? Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. that, that they would make it stick as well, even though. Yeah. So did you mean that you felt that in some ways maybe he was slightly, you could read the plays thinking, oh, the film rather, that he was slightly to blame. I, I think only on previous viewings I've thought that. I think I only quite twigged on this viewing that... Oh, really? Yeah, that I only quite just twigged that... Uh, He's... That, that Neil... I thought Neil had actually told his father that, and then his father turned. I think I was just a bit bit confused about what was going on. That there. would make no sense. Yeah, I know, I know that reaction. now. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But I, I think you could see in Robin Williams' reaction to when Neil says that he's told his father... He doesn't quite believe him. He's yes. kind of dubious about whether he believes him or not. Agreed. I think yeah. he is a bit dubious, but he still goes along with it and enthusiastically yeah. gets him to go there. And I suppose thinking he'd probably get away with it. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, he doesn't know much about Neil's father, does he? So he yeah. doesn't know what maybe he thinks, well, he'll, he'll actually be all right about it. How does this film make you feel <laughs> about poetry? Never mind about teaching. It makes me really want to read poetry, to be honest, because <laughs> I'm not a, not a big reader of poetry at all. And... But I loved listening to it being read out loud by, by Robin Williams in here. Yeah, it, it, it does. It's it, really good. It does have something. And I, yeah, I, I find poetry very difficult to talk about, but it is that wonderful, concise, beautiful image and a single line or yeah. group of lines that just gets across emotion. And yet I can't open a book of poetry, but to hear it, I mean, said out loud, it yeah. is something that does share and it does... To, to actually, um, yeah, it's an achievement of the film, isn't it? To bring about a kind of joy yeah. in, in, in an understanding of uh, an art form which is not particularly filmic, really. No, poetry, no, so. no, not particularly. Coincidentally, I've just started listening to a podcast which has, it's not all about poetry, but it's it has the person speaking on it, reading out the poetry in it, and list it, listening to it, just read out by the the poet themselves. Mm. So much better than just reading in a book. Yeah, I don't think I quite realised. A uh, poet called David White. He's a he's a British uh, sort of naturalist poet. Well, it's a philosophical poet kind of. I never really heard. It. I've just put onto him by someone else. But mm. I wasn't really listening to this podcast because it was about poetry. It's about actually about something else as well. But okay. mm -hmm. but it's interesting listening to poetry being read aloud. Mm. It's much more evocative. Yeah. And what did you think? Do you think if you'd been at school, you'd have wanted to join in the Dead Poets Society? Definitely, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's quite a thing because it does sound, they are yeah. quite, I, I love the scenes at the school in the in the sort of the uh, mess room. No, what would you call it? Like the common room? The common room, yeah. Yeah, and they're just, they're all doing stuff. Oh, well, like Meeks and Pitt are making their radio and yeah. stuff like that, yeah. I mean, it just makes you think, God, this is so great. They haven't got phones that they're just playing on. They're doing things and making <laughs> things. And... That's probably looking back at it with rose-tinted yeah, specs. They were probably so... they were probably all just 
wanky. Wanking or something. Yeah, yeah you know, that's... <laughs> but, um, I mean, what you what you don't look back on most Ted Spitzkirchens is it still gets me, like, watching the teacher, how the teachers behave, and they're just the... Just the sheer cruelty of the teachers for no reason whatsoever. Carelessly. Like, careless cruelty horrible. for, yeah. I know this is the 50s and so it's probably worse, but I remember that at school, teachers just being absolute bastards for no reason. Yeah, it's just like, being really unfair and there yeah. being no recourse. No, no. Yeah, it does picture that and I'm probably it's still the same in some schools to some extent. You just don't have the justice that you have outside of school, in schools. No, oh, I think it's probably a lot better now. Even in private schools now, I think it's probably better. Yeah. Children are more aware of the, the rights they have in these situations. Yeah. Yeah. Sir, <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah, no, it's probably true. Yeah. But um, one thing I thought watching it was that, and this is kind of getting into the next section, which is even better if... But, you know, yeah. I think we can extend what's good and it's a spectrum yeah. of what's good and what's maybe not so good. But thinking about it, in fact, I'm not sure if this is a good or a bad thing, but it's really a series of scenes of their interactions with Keating throughout yes. the film, like different lessons. And each thing, he does something quite profound and quite meaningful. Um, so we have the and, walking scene in the courtyard, don't we, where he's yep. showing them not to be, not to conform. Yeah. And, yeah. There's the one where they have to shout out a line and kick the ball Yeah. as well at the same time. There's the standing on the desk and looking at things from a different perspective. Yeah. Um, and then the first one at the beginning where they, they rip out uh, yeah. the, the, the terrible the essay, to, yeah. essay in the, the beginning of their poetry. There's also book. going to look at the photos of the mm. older boys. In the, that was my favourite one, actually. Like, the yeah. camera really zooms in, doesn't it, on the, the black and white photos, and you really get a sense of, like, and, and Keating says, and he says now, these are all being eaten by worms now, yeah. all these boys. And it is a... That's where the Carpe Diem line yeah. first said, isn't it? And that yeah. really got me, because I think that applies freaking universally, doesn't it? Yeah. Look at these people. And I do, I love looking at old photos of people yeah. and just thinking, God, they were just like people. And that you yeah. don't get that from, like, you know, we, we, we've only got a certain reach because you look back too far and all we got is like portraits of people and yeah. they, paintings don't do it. But, and photograph, it's really like, wow, yeah. these are human beings. Um, And that's, yeah, I thought that was very, very profound scene. Yeah, and he managed to convey, didn't he? Like, he, like Keating says, like, these boys were just like you with all their hopes yeah. and dreams or whatever. And, he, and then the camera's really zooms in them and you think you really Could get a sense of that, don't you? Yeah. They, I mean, those photographs are just old, you know, they're yeah. not mocked up. No. Um, you know, it's easy to find photos of that. Yeah. So, yeah, I love that scene. But thinking about it in that kind of series of scenes way, yeah. you don't... It's a great demonstration of Keating as a teacher, but we don't ever find out much about Keating as a person. Do you think that's a fault in the film? Do you think it would have helped to know more, understand we, him? We find out a little bit, don't we, about like when Neil goes to see him in his uh, mm. in his room and he's got a photograph of his wife or girlfriend, I guess his wife. It's a woman. A woman, yeah. Uh a uh, point I'll come back to in the even better riff section, but uh, okay, I think yeah. we're there. Oh, so we're there. Don't, okay, don't, don't, so, don't hang. Uh, mm. Yeah, so we know that he he's left his wife in London and come to teach at. Uh, if it's his wife, we don't. know If, if it's his, his wife. wife, yeah, but it's someone who's important to him anyway. Yeah, yeah. Why has he done that? Why has he left this this yeah. like important person to him in London to come and teach at the school? We don't know. I mean, that's yeah. fine. Maybe it's fine just to leave that as an unknown backstory. Yeah. No, I don't mind not knowing so much about Keating, okay. actually. I think it's okay. It's almost like he's uh, like in a sort of heroic character role. 
you don't need to i mean like you say he is portrayed as almost perfect i don't think you mm. need you need to know all his foibles because of that yeah he yeah. is a an ideal sort of teacher and yeah. his idealism doesn't you know doesn't save him from um disaster happening, disaster happening. Yeah. but you don't i mean when the disaster i don't actually feel too anxious for keating at the end really um, he'll go off and be a good teacher somewhere else. He will go. He will. Yeah. You know, he's yeah. so resilient as a human being. Even if yeah. he's not a teacher, you know, he will. He will have a good life yeah. because he's got great sense and wisdom and stuff like that. What do you think the idea was about why he chose to come back and teach at the school that he was also at himself? What do you think it's? Well, mm. oh, what's your idea about that? Um, I don't know. Maybe it was that he felt that he wanted to. You know, it was something about teaching boys he understood and he wanted to help them, you know, avoid what he knew would be the, the situation they'd be in, you know. Right, kind of, okay, maybe. yes. Yeah, that would that would feel to me like that was, that's sort of the intention the writer had in mind, yeah. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. But you, know, you don't really yeah. know and I don't yeah. really, I don't know why he's, you know, separate from that woman. I, I assume some other... You know that it wasn't his wife. That maybe there are other reasons. Maybe he had to earn enough money to marry her. I don't know. Thought he could have got. I mean, he was in England for some time, so so the story goes. He thought he could have got some work in the same country as as this woman that was important to him. Yeah, and there. Yeah, you feel there's a story about why he's got to be yeah. in the US. It could be loads of reasons. Um, his you know his sick mother or something like yeah, that. Yeah. Um, but I don't want to know, actually. I didn't need to know why no. he was there. Yeah. And also, you never know. I mean, that's. I was wondering if maybe the reason why we never know much about his interior life is that you don't know teachers. I mean, it blows your mind whenever like you meet a teacher outside of school, doesn't it? When you're a kid and you just think, oh, fucking hell, they, they buy bread. They, yeah. <laughs> they do stuff. You don't. You, you do, don't, you don't quite view them as human beings anyway, even yeah. the ones you really, really like. They're just a little bit mysterious and weird. And um, I don't know. I just wondered if that was what it was going for. Yeah, yeah, maybe. So they don't need to humanise the teacher because we don't view teachers as human anyway. Mm. What did or you teachers. think of all the boys and their different plot lines and stories? You have Ethan Hawke, who's just a very, very shy yeah. boy sort of learning to be a little bit less shy you have um neil's character aspiring actor aspiring actor tragedy hitting him um do you believe he would have killed himself watching it this time i did think i did think it was slightly lacking credibility he would have done that but on the other hand i think it fits fits, yeah yeah kill themselves yeah it fits the story it fits the story well. I mean, he was, you know, he was destined for military academy, which obviously for some boys was an absolute nightmare. And he just... You say that like you know what military academy is. Well, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but it always comes up in American films. Yeah, yeah. So we assume it's a really scary, bad place. Bill and, Ted, Bill and Ted's always going to get sent to military academy, yeah, yeah, isn't yeah. he? Bill and Ted. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. That was, that was bad. Um, I don't know, but but if it... It's so absolutely necessary for the story, I think, that it's absolutely fine, I think, yeah. as, a, as a plot line. Yeah. I think there was something, I mean, there's a terrible sadness about his suit. I think because when rewatching it, you know what's going to happen and it felt 
quite painfully slow him getting to that point and yeah. quite just not a pleasure to watch because you it didn't just... feel like that the first time I'm watching though, I don't think. No, no, you didn't I'm know sure. it was going to happen. Yeah. Shocking. Yeah. And the other thing, as we're mentioning podcasts, is another very good podcast to listen to about film is Rewatchables. And when they talked about, I think they were talking about Dead Poets Society or mentioning it for some other reason, but um, they really thought that the dad's acting was massively over the top and in the shooting scene when he finds when he's yeah. yeah my son my son and i don't know i was trying to watch it and try and make a judgment about it about whether you know it's, i don't know what the fuck i'd do if i found my son yeah blown out. oh yeah no i didn't i didn't mind it yeah honestly. but i sort of screwed it up for me because i now have um in my head i have them mocking that right Bedaria. I, I, the bit i did like about that is i really liked so he's uh, the father saying oh my son my son and then it's Neil's mother comes in and she's obviously like distraught and and Neil's father takes her in his arms and he's, he's like oh stop it stop it kind of thing and he's still being controlling even at that moment yeah. like of his wife like even with the tragedy that he's caused he is a fantastically yeah. narcissistic kind of a father yeah. isn't he so there's a nice um nice little story I read about saying about Kurtwood Smith who's the actor who plays um Neil's dad in there saying at the premiere of Dead Poets Society he um, he saw a family there with a father who was behaving a little bit like his character in the film towards his son, you know, sort mm. of like putting him down and telling him telling him off kind of thing. And he said he saw him on the way out with tears in his eyes after watching the film. Just <laughs> quite a nice story. That is a lovely story. Yeah, I do hope it's true. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Neil's yeah Neil's obviously a really core character. Yeah. Um, then you have. Charlie, who's probably one of my favourite characters. Yes, Noanda. Noanda, <laughs> yeah. who is, who is really, I love his, because he's one of the key characters who who sort of turns on to Keating and really likes Keating kind of early from on. the from the off. Yeah, and, he's he's the one of the first ones to rip the page out of the introduction. Isn't yeah, he? and yeah. he's like, this is my kind of guy. Yeah. Um, one thing you know when he does, he puts a. Um, an article in the school newspaper about the Dead Poets Society yes. saying we should we want girls in the school or something. Yeah. And then he does the prank of uh, taking phone calls and yeah. in, in, you know, and owning up to it yeah. in front of the whole school. And then um, he obviously gets like beaten the shit out of him as, for that. And then the head teacher approaches Keating, uh, Robert Williams' character, and says, "Oh, you know." You, you've got something to do with this kind of thing. Yeah. Then Robin Williams goes and talks to Charlie and says, you know, that wasn't cool. That wasn't cool. That's yeah. a bit much. So my question is, is if the head teacher hadn't approached Keating and said, mm, mind your step sort of thing, watch yeah. what you're doing here. Would he have said that to Keating? Was he in a sort of sense, did he really mean that? Was he looking out I don't know. I was, it was just a question. That's a really interesting question because you're kind of asking, was he just trying to protect himself a bit? Which isn't really part of Keating's character in some no, ways, is he? But, or was not... he, did he genuinely think, even without the headmaster's intervention, that Charlie had been a bit of a dick? Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm kind of going on that. I think that's a little bit of his, um, a, a little bit of his imperfection in him in that he probably wouldn't have said anything he probably would have thought it was quite a funny prank um but he he felt he yeah he better just be interesting if they'd swap those two scenes around wouldn't it and had him going to talk to charlie first and then the headmaster talking to him 
because then it would have been definitely him saying it anyway. Yes, and that would have. Yeah. Maybe that would have been. Maybe that was slightly. I would have slightly preferred that. Yeah, that. I yeah. would have. Yeah, because it's a little chink in his armor. But yeah. then it's okay to have. Yeah, I we're not sure whether we whether we want to humanize Keaty or not. Do we? Or do we just want to keep as, him as a heroic yeah. figure? As yeah. we have so little humanization, yeah. he should have been kept as a perfect platonic yeah. ideal of a teacher. I did. I did really like the scene of him sort of like reprimanding Charlie though, because he's kind of he's kind of saying. Kind of saying, yeah, by all means, be an individual, tread your own path, kind of thing, but still be aware that you have to be part of society in some ways, and so you have to make compromises to to stay part of society and yeah. not and not get expelled. Which obviously Charlie eventually does get expelled, yeah, because yeah. he says, you know, you are very privileged, and you will this this school you're at is going to provide you with a lot of opportunities for your later life. Don't screw them up. Kind of thing. You can still be this amazing individual, but use the yeah. use the privilege that you've got to do something special. Use your privilege. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And there's yeah, and there's context to any behaviour as well, I guess. Yeah. Okay. So apart from those, you've got the other two boys, um, Cameron and Pitts. Uh, Pitt Pitt is the tall, got tall one. Meeks, Doesn't do much. Meeks is the other one who's uh, who's the the trayer at the end. No, no, that's Cameron. Oh, that's Cameron. Yeah. Meeks is the one who's doing the radio with, with Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Cameron's a good character. I like Cameron because he is, I love his sort of like trying to defend his actions in a really like, sort of like forceful manner. And, you know, like uh, they all know it all already. You do, you should do exactly what I say if you want to like protect yourself. It's a classic teacher thing, isn't it? We yeah. know everything. We just want you, we just want to hear it from you. Yeah. It's like fucking bollocks. And you don't realise when you're a kid. Do yeah. You? Well, it's like when they give yeah, when they give Todd the thing he's got to sign that says yeah. it was all Keating's responsibility. Oh, yeah. that's a horrible oh. thing to make him do that. And his parents make him do it as well, don't they? And yeah. it's like, yeah. And that's what that's what makes the last scene so fantastic. I think, like the, I mean, it's a it's a classic scene, isn't it? All standing on the desks, but yeah, they needed they needed the uh, all the boys signing the letter to to condemn Keating. So that they'd feel really bad towards Keating, wouldn't they? They'd, they'd think that Keating thought that they were yeah. really signing it kind of thing. And they so desperately wanted to tell him they're sort of like their hero that they had yeah. been forced to do this. Todd is like shaking, isn't he? Like wants to tell him. Mm. And and it's lovely as he sort of tells him on the way out, isn't he? And then and then Keating goes, all right, I know, I yeah, know, yeah, kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah, of course he knows. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So our thought, final character yeah. is um, the the... Ah, uh, was the jo- uh, Josh? Josh, the one who has Chris, Chrissy's yes, girlfriend. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I think that's kind of in the borderline of like, because hmm, uh, his relationship with Chris is a little bit doesn't have a lot of time to explore. We have no idea if they ever seem to talk to each other at all, and he's kind of a little bit weird and stalky, and he. He, you know, it's really mild, but it is a little bit sexual assaulty, isn't it? Really, what in the party? In the when party, saw... when she's asleep. Not in nineteen fifty nine. It wasn't. Well, it, it was, <laughs> well, but yeah, obviously that was fine. Yeah. at the time. What did he do? But... He strokes her hair and kisses her on the forehead, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. which is very, pretty mild, but still yeah. a little bit. If you didn't, yeah. If Chris really didn't like him, yeah, it's creepy. Yeah, and, and she did. She was kind of asleep, which yes. which is not really on. No, sort of it's thing. not 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 really on. Definitely not on. And but he, I mean, but apart from that, he 
I find I found I find his storyline. I like his storyline. I, I mean, what, I yeah. do. I like him obviously, ultimately, and I like the yeah. idea of you know poetry winning, winning over the jock kind of thing yeah. to win the girl. But uh, it, it doesn't quite wash, really. And he he sort of says, and he's really bugging her for like, you've got to come to this. You know, you've got to come on this. I've got to. You got to come to the play with me. This is going to be a date, you know. Yes, but don't you think? Don't you think, from her point of view, she's sort of. I think she does like him, and she's probably she's sort of being closeted up till now, thinking, "Oh, you know, I'm the pretty cheerleader. I have to go out with the American football playing jock," and she's coming to a sort of realization that actually there's some other types of guys out there who are maybe sort of like preferable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, maybe. So, so she's sort of learning that at the same time, but she's in the situation she can't really get out of but her behavior would have been very similar if she genuinely found his um advances offensive and she just really wanted to try and stop them she would have done very much the same sort of thing would she have come to the school maybe she wouldn't have come to the school anyway i don't think i I think you have to you have to admit that the you would i'd play that slightly differently if you to make him a sympathetic character if you made that film now you'd have to have him behaving a bit differently or else he's just a stalker I'm not sure I actually agree. What? Yeah. It's all right to kiss somebody when they're asleep. No, no, no. I don't. I know. Not, not that know. bit. Not that bit. But the actually everything else that he does, though, I think you know, ringing her up and yeah, trying to trying to get to take her to the play. All he's saying is, "Come on a date with me to the play," kind of thing. It's a little bit coercive, isn't it? If you One like, was saying, like I, I'm, I'm really annoying you. I keep bothering you, and I'm going to yeah. keep doing this. But I'll let you. I'll, I'll stop bothering you if you just come on a date for me. Is that okay? Not completely, no. 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 But it's difficult being a boy his age, isn't he? He's trying to, yeah, he's trying to give it his best shot. I guess I don't think it, I don't think he was that bad, to be honest. Okay, okay, maybe maybe I'll now get death threats from <laughs> from uh, Generation Z for my attitudes. Yeah, for, yeah. This, but ask you can always refer to your children and ask them what they think. And uh, I think they'll be fairly firmly on the. I yeah, think. well, they'll issue, issue me death threats anyway. Yeah, so, you know. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, but yeah, 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 that was the only thing I thought was sort of like I would, I think would be change. I would change if about it. Surprisingly, though, I don't think I think it's a- ages pretty well. This film. I, mean, yeah, I know, yeah. I know. It's obviously it's set thirty years before it, when it was originally made, but. Even even now, I don't think the many of the themes of it have really aged badly at all. No, yeah. no, no. I mean, it's yeah. I mean, I suppose being a teacher is a fairly universal, yeah. classic. Yeah, and and other teachers being dicks. Yeah. Actually, if we're talking about a few things about it that I think could be slightly, if we're in an even better, if if mm. uh, stage this, that given that Neil is almost the central character you know the main character of the boys yeah. his his sort of like uh being in the play storyline is really left out of the story quite a lot like you essentially get him telling Todd he's going for, going for the audition uh getting the audition and there's loads of other story happening all through all through the film and then it's the day before the play it's true <laughs> yeah. i guess they just decided they didn't have much space or room for it I guess it it's slightly it slightly steers you off the idea of him being the main character, I suppose. Maybe that's okay. Maybe that's yeah. maybe you maybe you don't want him to be too much the main character. Yeah, I know. Yeah. The only other thing is that he's so excited having got they've decided that the lead role in um Midsummer Night's Dream is Puck. 
Yeah. Which is, I don't know. I don't know how it works out line-wise, but Puck doesn't do that much. He's like an interesting character, but he's not, doesn't do a lot. I don't really know uh, Midsummer Night's Dream, but does Puck close, I did it close for the play? Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> does Puck close the play? Yeah, he does. Okay. So that's the whole thing that he has. I think the reason why they went for that is that he has that line, you know, that whole little speech at the end, yeah. which is, um, you know, forgive us if we offend you. Um, and he's saying that to his father. Yes, yeah, So yeah, I yeah. think it was like that works out yeah. really well. He didn't need to say he got the main part. He could just said, I've got a part. And that would have been fine, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, do you think, do you yeah, think it was yeah. a bit much the rest of the cast sort of celebrating him and pushing him out on stage for an extra bow? Yeah, this is, Puck's not like the main character. Right. I see, I didn't know that because I don't really know the play, so. Well, yeah. it probably works then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, um I mean, yeah, yeah. There's, there's, it's, it's a, it's a ensemble piece of its yeah. own, I guess. But yeah, anyway. Um, yeah. I thought, yeah. it, and gr- lovely, uh, really nice props they had. Oh, the production values on that. Oh. I mean, they're almost up there with like Beautiful. the production values of Rushmore's plays, aren't yeah, they? Yeah. <laughs> oh. Any yeah. so any other problems you have with it? I, given that the all the boys' characters were pretty rounded out and three-dimensional, I could have done slightly without the jock characters being quite so jockey. That's like, very Particularly true. the yeah. the ones at the party who feed Josh whiskey. Like, there was, I mean, could they have chosen a more meathead-looking jock <laughs> than the one who's feeding him the whiskey? Yeah. yeah, we're not invited to try and enter in their world, are we? Or, no. or try and sympathise with the, with the more sporty young man who isn't interested in poetry. But I guess, like we were saying, like, if you're... If we're sort of categorising this film in a kind of, like, almost like a Greek tragedy-type film, isn't it? You've got the mm. heroic Mr Keating, you know, and, and they're all sort of, like almost stereotypes what do you what do you call the archetypes in mm. in so mr keating is this like archetype chrissy is the archetype beautiful woman Ar- archetype archetype it's an archetype Duh. i don't know anyway, so. anyway. That's, yeah and so then maybe you go even with the minor characters you sort of go for what you expect to see from you know if they're, they're not that important in the play you know they're like the the jock character so you can have played by anyone you don't want them to be too rounded out and three-dimensional i guess yeah a lot of the other characters were chrissy is not chris is not rounded out at all but yeah she's a bit side character i don't know yeah, yeah but it's fine yeah it's but it is yet another the cliche of let's let's shit all over jocks because yeah we were crap at school and now we're making films do we have any uh any examples of of films celebrating jocks. Not many. Uh, yeah, okay. Richard Linklater's one about... Oh, yes. That recent one. Yeah. Yeah. I can't remember what it's called. Get it? Everybody's... Everybody's up for it. Everybody, something like Everybody that. Everybody wants some. Everybody wants some, yeah. <laughs> Exclamation mark, I think, at the end, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah that was unusual for that, wasn't it? But I think I Richard Linklater's a bit sporty himself, isn't he? He was, he was uh, originally a sports college guy, then he switched to English literature i think but there you go you don't get many of them no so you might be the only one to do that yeah and become famous yeah yeah, yeah. but yeah, yeah this film was not gonna ever be on the jock side yeah so the other little category we have uh is is this a good boyfriend or girlfriend test meaning if you were starting a new relationship with somebody would this be a film that you'd think i want to test the waters by putting this in front of them and seeing what they think and then that might make me. 
it has to be a yes from me, I think. Mm, yeah. Okay. I thought. Okay. <laughs> well, it's <laughs> you fine. You said you liked it. I do like it. Yeah, I do like it. Yeah. This is um, only, this I think is, the, the difference is I don't have that profound relationship with it that you do. Yeah. And I mean, it's probably, I, I, it probably isn't another film I have such a profound relationship with. So, yeah. so My, for someone I, to not like it would be, I don't know, would be just, I mean, it's also, it's about, it's about art and poetry and stuff as well. It's like, you want to know that someone that is interested in that, I suppose, in a, mm, and, if, they're, and, if they're a potential partner. And yeah. You know what is important in life as well. I'm still not sure about this category about the girlfriend boyfriend test. If, is it is it an interesting category? I think it I was think the it uh, one of the other ones we did because we thought that it wasn't it wasn't a necessarily a girlfriend boyfriend test. And what does that mean? I think let's keep it in and we'll keep thinking about what it okay. might that mean. Yeah. I think it's kind of interesting. I think to be fair, I no longer have boyfriend girlfriend test partly because I'm not looking for a boyfriend or girlfriend <laughs> anymore, but also because. Um, as you get older, you get a little bit more relaxed. So you um, yeah. like the character in um, footballing person, high fidelity, high fidelity yeah. who realizes that somebody can have crap albums on their. They CD can have a Tina Turner CD and still have... be nice, yes. still be friends with them. Exactly. Yeah. But you do broaden things out. So maybe yeah. there's it... just a kind of nostalgia, I think, to thinking. For I girl, think, yeah. Yeah, and it's like it's part of it, an extension of saying why this film is really important to me. So you're sort of, sort of a, if you were to expand the girlfriend boyfriend test question, you might say in your twenties, would this have been a, a girlfriend boyfriend test? Yeah. Yeah. Mm, yes. Yeah. Or teens or twenties, I guess. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. But yeah. we'll, we'll keep working. Keep on working that. on that one. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then the last one, which we're also sort of working on is, does this film qualify as art? Does it? Pass oh, definitely for me. Cause yeah. well, if, I mean, we were sort of like thinking about what does that question mean? Like, what is something art or not? But sometimes I think about uh, uh, sort of, I think it's a Brian Eno definition of, of art. And it says if something is art, if it gives people artistic experiences, which is, is a very broad description for lots of things. But oh, I think what it means in, in this instance is, you're a cinema goer, you go in and watch this in the cinema, or you, you watch it on later on DVD or whatever. And do you come away from it thinking about it a lot afterwards? Mm. Does it, does it like, does it change your outlook on life in, in many ways? And well, obviously it did me too, yeah. by many degrees, and it still does. In fact, in fact, one of the slight uh, melancholy feelings of watching this film again, I've probably seen it, I reckon I've seen it seven or eight times in total yeah. in my life, is that each time I watch it, it doesn't impact me quite as much as the time before. And really, watching it this time, I was nostalgic for the first couple of times of watching it. I, okay. I wasn't actually getting it from the film, but I was getting it from my memory of watching the film for the first time, which is a, which is a very enjoyable experience in itself. Yeah. But it's not yeah. quite the same as the film itself. <laughs> no, no, I can totally get that. Yeah. I, I mean, I think... Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to reach out and get a definition of what art yeah. is anyway by talking about it, but... It feels like one thing is if it changes your life in a non-trivial way, then that's yes an artistic make, uh, thing. Does it have to change your life, or does it just have to make you think about life in a different way? You think? Well, I, I, mean, I think thinking about life makes you change your life. I mean, surely that. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, a thought is a is a an action in a sense. Would you say then that 
the way in which we've collected these 12 films for this sort of series of, of you know, favourite stroke inspirational films, uh, have we collected them by them qualifying as art? Have there been ones that changed our lives? Is that, is that how we've formed this, this collection? So it's almost like it's a stupid question because the only reason they're on the list is because they've had some effect on us. Yes. Maybe. <laughs> Although, I mean... We, we are... did definitely talk about one film which we... Jennifer Lopez in, a, in the back of a car. Oh, Out of Sight. Out of Sight. That's not actually in this series, but we have actually okay. watched that as well, yeah. Okay, so we kind of thought that is brilliant. And art. kind of favourite. I think some films, because these films are about favourite films, so sometimes you have a, you know, I definitely have some favourite books that I wouldn't call art. But why would you brilliant. not call favourite books art? Well, which, which, give me an example. Neil Stevenson. Okay, yeah, and why would you not call that art? Because none of the characters really change or do anything or, or have much development. They just have rollickingly good adventures. So why is that not art? Because it sort of doesn't enter into the human condition; it just enters into the human world. So you're 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 travelling through the world, but without any kind of interior, without any understanding or learning from it. You think yes. is that it? Is it about learning? Yeah, doesn't. I, mean, I, I would doesn't say teach me anything about the human experience. Yes. Yeah. So is that it? It doesn't teach you anything about the human experience. Okay. And then, yeah, this film teaches you a lot about the human experience. You feel, I do, even though I'm, you know, I'm, I'm very different from these young men in this film, I totally empathise with them and their yeah. experience of education. I mean, the idea of you not having to follow the path that's laid down for you is like a, such a universal thing, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. yeah, and that, yeah, you know, I think that is fair that you can um, hit a lot, of, a lot of people in life. I think a lot of the films on this list are ones which teaches about the human condition. Like, I'd certainly lost a translation I would put in that in that category. And Eternal Sunshine on the Spotless Mind I'd put in that category. Uh, yeah. Then you have something like, I mean, I'm just going on my my section of films here. You can say about your ones, but 2001 The Space Odyssey. That, now, that's a, that's a very cerebral film that doesn't teach me much about the human condition in some ways, but it's an incredibly yeah, intellectual film. Yeah, we same. haven't done that one, and I... Don't know how I've I've only watched okay. it once, so it'll be good to rewatch okay. it. Okay, be interesting to, okay. to see that again. Yeah. So I'd say the one film on my list, which is definitely up there as a favourite film, but is absolutely not art, is Point Break. Just <laughs> yeah. Point Break is not art. Point Break is brilliant, but it's not art. Yeah. Okay. What's well, all about in, in your in your list then? One. I think we've got Magic Mike XXL. <laughs> oh yes. And I not want... art, but fantastic. Definitely fantastic. Um, I don't know. I we, again, we haven't talked about it, so I'm going to try and explore it, it and yeah. think maybe yeah. I've got an open mind. Maybe yeah. it is art. So let's see. Okay, let's see. I mean, this is obviously something we can talk about more as we go through them, isn't it? Okay. Like, yeah. Are we winding up? I, feel I think so. Yeah, I think I covered everything I wanted to talk about there. Cool beans. Yeah. Okay. Okay. If you'd like to leave us any comments about um, what we're talking about here, we'd very much like to hear them. Um, you can email us, us at inbedwith at ethancrane.com. Um, or you can leave some comments on our, our webpage if you go to uh, ethancrane.com and just follow the links for the podcast. And we shall see you next time for the next film. Thank you. Bye. Bye.